Hey, before we begin, I wanted to let everyone know that I am going to be at SakuraCon, uh, April 14th through 16th, 2017, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'll be hosting a panel there titled Blatant Copyright Infringement in Anime on Friday, April 14th at 1.30 p.m., uh, and that panel will look at examples of uh, music in anime that aren't exactly original. Be sure to pop in if you want to say hi or uh, learn a few things about copyright infringement. Welcome to Zonen Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, returning to the show uh, this time around is Pan. Uh, she used to run the, the classic anime info site Lilola.net uh, and is now a notable cosplayer uh, from the Toronto area. And, uh, and we're also going to be talking extensively about Power Rangers today. And she is certainly one of the most passionate Power Rangers fans that I know. Uh, so, Pan, thanks a lot for coming back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure uh, talking with you. Uh, so today, as, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be starting by talking a little bit about Power Rangers and Super Sentai as cross-cultural media, uh, specifically in Canada. Uh, and assuming we, we get around to it at the end, uh, there was also a recent confirmation that the Toronto, that the Toronto Conservative Leadership Conference uh, for you know, the Conservative Party of Canada selecting their new leader, is actually going to be taking place the same weekend and in the same venue as Anime North, uh, which is certainly uh, <laughs> certainly an interesting circumstance, but I understand not a completely unprecedented one. No, we had the Conservative... We had the Provincial Conservatives, I think, oh, yeah. in the exact same building in 2011. <laughs> so it's not the first time... That this has happened at Anime North. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but I guess uh, when talking about Power Rangers, the fir- the best place to start is going to be, well, considering uh, that this is early April and the uh, Power Rangers Hollywood movie, or rather Saban's Power Rangers, as you're uh, supposed to refer to it, uh, has just recently been released. At the time that we're recording this, I guess this topic has already kind of become old hat because. The week after the Ghost in the Shell movie came out, and everyone started talking about that. Um, but then the Ghost in the Shell movie also completely bombed, and I think that pretty much ended uh, all the discourse happening around that thing, uh, for the most part. So you know, who cares? Let's just let's just talk about uh, you know what we what we're going to talk about here. Um, so I have not seen the Power Rangers movie, uh, and I mean to be perfectly honest, just I I mean I love Power Rangers as a kid. Uh, for for quite a long time, I I watched it uh, up right up somewhere partway through Power Rangers in Space, which I understand is a little longer than average kids were into the show, but not quite as long as most super nerds uh, who were watching it were into the show. So I kind of fell somewhere in between there. But uh, d- you know, despite the fact that I, I loved it as a kid, I I have a Power Rangers nostalgia has always been uh, a, a little tricky for me because, you know, as a as a cultural theorist, I, um, I I have a hard time just getting over this idea that uh, Power Rangers is you know didn't become big internationally until it became, or, or Super Sentai didn't become interna- big internationally until it was Americanized as Power Rangers. 
so that that's always been kind of my my my, my frustrating barrier but uh but pan i know that uh, you've been a long time power rangers fan you have uh you were anticipating this movie for a very long time and uh, i'm i think i am more interested in hearing your thoughts on it uh and i understand that you uh you have seen it i have seen it i actually was at a anime like comic convention the weekend before it came out and i won tickets so I actually went to a preview screening the Wednesday before it came out, which was really, really great. Uh, and it meant that I got to see it in a theater filled with other Power Ranger fans, which was also really fun. Um, and I just want to say, you said, you know, super nerds are the only people that stayed and watched the show like longer. And I just got to say, woo, super nerds, if that's <laughs> the case. Um, but yeah, I thought the movie was actually quite good. I had, a, you know, going into this movie, I had a lot of apprehensions. And you know what? I have to say, without being like too spoilery, I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It threw there were a lot of surprises in there, like things that I was not expecting. Like if you go and watch this movie, within like the first six minutes, you'll know that this isn't the Power Rangers you watched when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. It doesn't earn its PG thirteen rating, and it does earn it quite early on in the movie. I, I know uh, that uh, the very the first review that came out for this movie was from for, was from from Uproxx and I did read that and it talked about like uh like a subplot involving revenge porn and a bull being jerked off and also <laughs> copious Krispy Kreme product placement. Now um pl- now I'm just going to assume that all of these things made more sense in the context of the film than when they're described out of context of the film. So right before I went to see the movie, people were posting bits and pieces of these, like, of basically exactly what you were saying, (laughs) that kind of review online. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be this is going to be a disaster. Like, what what are we going to get ourselves into? And my other fear going into the movie was that they announced just before the movie that the Yellow Ranger Trini was going to have a a bit of a coming out scene. Mm hmm. And there were also rumors that they would, quote unquote, like kill off a ranger. And, you know, knowing the context of pop culture, I was really, really, really scared this would be one of those like kill the gays thing. So I was really I went into this movie going, please don't kill Trini. Please don't kill Trini. Please don't kill Trini. And uh, I'm going to spoil this part. They don't kill Trini. So it's safe to go see this movie. It's safe to go see this movie. Um, and, yeah, all those things, actually, that you mentioned do happen, and they all make a lot more sense in context. This is a movie that I feel like if you tried to summarize it would just would just sound absolutely ridiculous, but actually works given, like, how they put all those pieces together. Uh, some of those things you mentioned are within the first six minutes that I sort of talked about. they were setting up this tone of like this is going to be different um they it's it's surprisingly and in my case like from my opinion this is like something i really enjoyed about it it's a character piece uh the rangers don't do all the morphing and fighting thing until way later in the movie this is a criticism a lot of people have of the film that it takes a long time to sort of get going but i i like it because you get a chance to meet all five of these characters and really get to know them and see them sort of start to mesh as as characters. So it's actually a character-driven piece, and I feel like that's something that actually makes this movie... That's actually what I really, really like about this movie. Uh, and, you know, this movie has gotten a lot of praise for diversity, and I think that, that it, it earns that praise for the most part. Um, you know, only one of the five rangers is white, 
the Yellow Ranger does have a scene where she confirms in some ways that she's not straight. She doesn't necessarily say what she is, uh, but I think that that's totally legitimate as well. It's a very short scene. Um, the, the movie has been getting a lot of praise for, for this very, very short scene. The short scene, um, I would say, is very, very important. And no one should tell you that it's not important. At the same time, maybe no one should tell you that it's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have the, seen some criticisms of, of how they handle that and saying that they're not committing to it enough or they're they're holding back so that, you know, certain markets that are more sensitive to that kind of thing can't... Uh, can't can't backlash against it like we saw with Beauty and the Beast in Malaysia that whole ridiculous well, controversy. Well, like Power Rangers got a like 18 plus rating in Russia. Yeah. For that scene, um, and it's a it's a very short scene, and uh, I'll spoil it. So spoiler warnings, mm-hmm. spoiler warnings. Um, a character asks Trini if she's having girl, uh, sorry, boyfriend problems, and. Then they correct it. She sort of gives them a look and she corrects it. Uh, sorry, this character corrects it to, oh, do you mean, is it girlfriend problems? And she doesn't confirm or really deny that, but the line after it, she ends up talking a lot about labels and how she's very unhappy with her parents, for example, like love and use of labels. And if you're part of like the LGBTQ community, like that line will resonate with you. I'm speaking from experience here, I guess, but like that line resonated with me, like that line afterwards. And that I think coming from, I know my own perspective, I was like, Oh my gosh, I actually like love that scene. I, again, it was very short. I, I would have loved more, but I still think that scene was very, very important. Um, the character that stood out to me the most and I ended up just absolutely loving was actually Billy. So Billy is played by R.J. Seiler in this movie, and they've done something uh, new with Billy. So Billy in this movie is confirmed to be on the spectrum. He's autistic. Mm -hmm. He says he's on the spectrum. In the movie, they portray him as being autistic. And I've been like going through Tumblr and reading the reviews of people who are autistic who watch this movie and like how do they feel about the way Billy's been portrayed. And like everybody loves it. Like everybody loves the way they portrayed Billy. He stims. He's, you know, he. There, there's just so many things about him that people feel that they did did quite right. Um, and he and Billy is also the heart and soul of this movie. He's the ranger that brings them all together in a lot of in uh, in many different ways. And he's the one who believes in them being a team before anybody else believes in them being a team. So. It's kind of cool that you have this, you know, you have a character who's autistic, who's actually also black. And that's also important because um, autism is misdiagnosed or even not noticed uh, in in black people. So that, you know, having a black autistic character is a big deal and important for representation. So we have this black autistic character who's a superhero uh, in a major motion picture. And I think that that's, who's also like the heart and soul of the film. So I think that's like super, super cool. Um, and I don't know, I, I really love the movie and I really love Billy. I loved all of them, but I love Billy. Yeah. I, I think that in the, the, the actual Power Rangers show, you know, it, they, they, it's been very good for diversity since the beginning. I think that's an aspect of it that often gets overlooked and it seems like amplifying that or, uh, emphasizing that in the film is, is, one of the the things that makes it most successful as an adaptation of the franchise. You know, you, when you go back and watch the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, 
typically you'll find the characterizations are not really that good in the show. Uh, did you find that, uh, did they kind of just scrap everything in this movie and start from scratch? And, or, or is, do you still see, you know, the, the basic traits of those characters evolved in this adaptation? Uh, I think that's a good question, but it's not one that I've actually, I think, asked myself that much. I think I've treated these characters as, like, unique characters. You know, Zack in this movie is a different Zack from Zack from Mighty Morphin. His name is still Mm Zack, but he's a different character named Zack. I think I've done that for, like, pretty much all the characters in this film. Like, I'm, and I think that that, for me, that works because they are different i mean they're played by different actors uh they're sometimes different races <laughs> they're got different traits they have different backstories for the most part so that they're different characters for me they're fundamentally different characters the thing that i am most curious about and i guess this is this is subjective mm. do you do you feel that this uh movie is true to the, you know, traditional Sentai, Super Sentai aspects of the original Power Rangers, or does it kind of, you know, try to evolve it into something else, or does it invent something new? Um, It still has, like, a Zord battle. It's all original footage. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, it's more like adapting Power Rangers, which is then a step divorced. Yeah. Even further divorced from Super Sentai. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of what I meant. Is it is it kind of reinventing it? Do you still see the I mean is it still drawing from kind of those Sentai sensibilities or is it inventing something new that that uh Well, I mean like you're having a Zord battle. For me that automatically is 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 drawing from the Sentai, right? Like Zord battles are all from the Sentai. They were there were, I don't there were very few examples I think of Zord battles in Power Rangers that were actually like original footage. Mm-hmm made for Power Rangers. For the most part, it's the Japanese footage. So, like, for me, Zord battles are, are Sentai. But, I mean, it's a Zord battle that's destroying... I think it's Kamloops. I think they're destroying Kamloops. Yep. <laughs> it is, uh, it is in, I believe it is indeed Kamloops that they destroy in this yeah, movie. Yeah, so uh, that's different. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I feel like the best way for me to put that and understand that is, like, it's a step... Like, Power Rangers sort of is a step divorced from sentai but still uses sentai and this is a step that's like even further divorced there's no sentai in it at all mm-hmm. uh for the most part but there's like no sentai at all in it but it still like harkens back to the sentai elements from the original show and uh, yeah you, you raise the interesting point that this film was like many films uh, shot in british columbia and in kamloops specifically uh and given that kamloops is nothing like southern california i'm assuming that this creates a very different kind of atmosphere for the the angel grove that they're presenting here uh did it i guess it did it did it feel like more of a you know small town than a than, than a sunny california place Absolutely. It's yeah. very much like a little small town. But mm-hmm. my favorite thing, and this goes back to your thing about Krispy Kreme, they built a Krispy Kreme in Kamloops so they could film all the Krispy Kreme scenes. This movie is filled with Krispy Kreme product placements, and some of them are terrible, and some of them are, like, for the most part, they actually think they handled it really well. They, it's pretty hilarious how they handle the product placements. But I love that they, they built a Krispy Kreme yeah. in Kamloops just so they could do filming around this but Krispy did they Kreme. keep the Krispy Kreme there? I don't think they did. I don't think they did. I, I'm very sure they took it down the second their their filming see, was done. See, that's bullshit. Okay, <laughs> over in Ontario, like in Toronto, is there 
Are there any Krispy Kremes in Toronto? Okay, so I had to Google it. I okay. Googled it after yeah. I saw this movie. Just Not that I plan to go to Krispy Kreme, but because I was curious. There are three in Toronto, I think. Really? Okay. I've never been to one. All right. And so, I like I looked at the map. I'm like, okay, I know all these places in Toronto, but I've never really been to a Krispy Kreme in Toronto. So I've been I, to one in the States, but yeah. not here. I can tell you that there is one Krispy Kreme in British Columbia. It is in Delta, which is the weirdest that that is like, you know, distant suburb of Vancouver. The weirdest place you would put a Krispy Kreme. Uh, it opened back when I was in high school around 2001 or 2002. Um, and it has always been the only one in all of British Columbia is in that one little tucked away Krispy Kreme in in Delta. And I actually only went to it for the first time late last year. I had never even, you know, I would never even think to go to Delta for any reason. Um, but uh, I wound up going there for for the first time and trying and and actually going to the going to the Krispy Kreme store. Um, I mean, you people do fundraising, sell, sell Krispy Kreme fundraising stuff all the time. You you, like, oh. you find that at schools, you find that at uh, at transit stations, but I think it is very rare that anybody would actually make, take the time to make a trip to go to this one Krispy Kreme, and I don't understand that. Um, why they wouldn't expand? Uh, I mean, it, it's Krispy Kreme. You think that they would be able to find more of a market, uh, especially in a market where, you know, you, you you can we eat we love our donuts in Canada. We go to we go to Tim Hortons all the time. There's, yeah, I was gonna say Timmy's. Yeah, you got yeah. you got you got Timmy's, uh, and they're just begging for competition a lot of the time too and you think that Krispy Kreme would make more of an effort to get in on that market and to know that they built a Krispy Kreme in Kamloops only to dis- for the purpose of this movie only to dismantle it later and do nothing to make good on that okay, that, you need that infuriates now, you need now, me <laughs> you need to now see this movie for the sole fact that it has a Krispy Kreme in it and for what they do with Krispy Kreme I, I just yeah I just, I'm telling you right now I think you will find it hilarious so just I you know what we we've just spent the last several minutes talking about Krispy Kreme, so I think it's pretty clear that <laughs> I need to see the movie for that reason. You need to. See, I mean, there's. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to see mm-hmm. this movie. Um, and like again, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. There are tons of plot holes in it. It's Power Rangers, okay? Yeah. Like it's Power Rangers. You got to go into watching this movie with that in your mind, and it. It's got a ton of plot holes, and they're frustrating plot holes, like the, the kind that can be fixed with like five seconds of exposition. Yeah, like five seconds of dialogue would have fixed this. But um, it's a good, it's still a solid film. It's a really fun film. Uh, critic, like the critics seem to hate it. Like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics hate it, but the audience loves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Globe and Mail gave it one star, and they have an entire article on just like it's not even a review of the movie. It's just how much they hate Power Rangers. Um, like the, so it's not a movie that was made for the critics. It was made for the fans and for people to sort of get into, I guess, this franchise and just have a lot of fun watching the film. And it, I think it definitely succeeds there. I obviously I haven't seen the film, so I can't comment on its quality or whether the the critical reception has been appropriate. I can't help but suspect that a lot of uh, the, the critical response is uh, more of an attack on millennials than it is on Power Rangers, or just the idea that oh, this is something that only millennials are going to appreciate because only they're going to be nostalgic for it, and we can't have that. Um, because I guess as, that's the whole thing is that millennials are. Huge nostalgia fiends, uh, quite possibly bigger than baby boomers, but nostalgia has always been like a big baby boomer thing, and maybe some people don't like that. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, I've been sort of ignoring the critics completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you just go, for example, to, you know, you search the movie up on Twitter or on Tumblr or something, you're going to find, you know, almost entirely positive reviews of the film from people who have just come back from seeing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come back and they're like, oh, my gosh, this movie was amazing. Or I really connected with Zach or I really connected with Billy or I really like, you know what, I'm really impressed with how they did this and you People are seeing it multiple times because they're having fun watching it. So, you know, if you're going looking for like an amazing Oscar will like winning film, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just gonna spoiler warning, you're going to be disappointed. Oh, and something I should note is that this film probably should have some major trigger warnings on it. Mm-hmm. There are some really good posts on Tumblr that sort of discuss triggers in this film. Uh, if you basically, my thing with triggers is always take care of yourself, take care of your own mental health. Um, I will warn for some uh, one in particular, there's some major graphic, violent, as sudden and abrupt car crashes in this film that mm-hmm. some come some of them that come out of nowhere. Uh, and I've read a couple people like saying that they like had to leave the film after especially the second one because it was just so jarring. So just know that there's things in this film um, that may not be not may not just. Use your own, you know, if you're worried about this film, there are posts out there that are that like discuss, you know, this is these are the things that happen that could be unsettling. So you can like look that up and you can go into the film informed that, you know, this is what's going on and you can judge for yourself whether or not you can be you'll feel comfortable actually watching this film. Yeah, that's that's important for sure. So uh, just uh, to to move on, uh, as I touched on at the beginning, like Power Rangers, as produced by uh, Saban originally, is what has come to define Super Sentai internationally. Uh, it's the version that was exported to more countries. Uh, it is the version that most people associate uh, associate Super Sentai with, rather than the actual Super Sentai shows that come from Japan, which usually don't get exported outside of uh, outside of Asia, except you know Hawaii and and I think uh, and and a few other and a few other regions. Has always seemed strange to me uh, for a lot of reasons, and something that uh, I've always been kind of critical of from a from a from a cultural standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. n- nonetheless, it is there are a lot of fascinating stories behind its development. Um, Inverse.com uh, published an article recently focusing on Margaret Loesch and her as yeah, yeah and her role in uh, in getting uh, Super Sentai or bringing Super Sentai to the West, and and you know how it. You know, had the involvement of people like Stan Lee and eventually Haim Saban, and how it just kept changing hands. Nobody would give it a chance, um, and the expectations were so low that uh, that when it wound up being this major hit, nobody was ready for it. Uh, it's it's a re- it's a really fascinating story, and I, uh, I you know I recommend reading into it. And that's only one of many stories behind uh, the, the development of Power Rangers. It's uh, yeah, uh, it is one of the most fascinating. Uh, um, journeys in in localization that i think we've ever that has ever happened for any major property but power rangers has had an interesting journey uh particularly in canada uh, a yes. lot of, uh, a lot uh, that's for for a few reasons um it started on fox kids in 1993 with mighty morphin power rangers um and that is where the majority of canadian children watched it uh assuming that at least those that had access to cable or those who had access to fox border stations 
Um, mm-hmm. and as, uh, as, you know, we were both there, we were both kids watching Power Rangers, uh, at the beginning, so we remembered it, or we remember at least hearing about this vague controversy. Uh, it, it started on YTV a few months later. Um, quite famously, it was banned from the airwaves, uh, shortly after it debuted on YTV, um, in a, in, in a decision that was very highly publicized. Um, chances are, if you were watching Power Rangers at this time, you know, a lot of Canadian kids didn't even notice that this happened because, uh, YTV was always very far behind in the broadcasts and anybody who had access to Fox Kids, which I should point out is not everybody in Canada, not everyone is able to, ha- uh, able to access, uh, Fox. Um, but, uh, the majority, you know, you just follow it on Fox Kids because they actually had the new content and they were always way ahead. Um, but nonetheless, uh, this was a very famous uh, chest-thumping incident from the CBSC, uh, the Canadian Broadcast Standard Council. Uh, you may have heard of them. I guess if you have watched TV at any uh, long duration over the pa- over in your lifetime, or at least in the last 20 years, um, you've probably seen their little ads that run uh, that uh, that or that stations run to insist that they're being compliant with their with their standards. Uh, so the CBSC, I should point out, is not an actual regulatory agency, but an industry self-regulator, uh, meaning that it's completely useless. Uh, they were first established <laughs> in 1990. And uh, I think that what most people know them for is uh, back a few years ago, there was that, uh, that they issued a statement prohibiting radio stations from playing the uncut version of Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. Um... And that was like, there was like a huge backlash to that. And most of that backlash was directed at the CRTC, despite the fact that they had nothing to do with that decision. So, you know, one of their most notable decisions is something that they're not even attributed with. So, CBSC is really a, this kind of useless, invisible organization. But, you know, if you, if you go back, if you go back in time to 1993, this was, uh, one of their, one of the first things that they did. They were established in 1990 and basically did nothing for their first few years. Uh, and, <laughs> but uh, just a few years later, they, there were these new guidelines that were established concerning violence in children's programming. Um, yeah. and they just really wanted to, or show that they had teeth, and Power Rangers just happened to wind up being the target. Uh, so, Pan, I'm sure you, you remember, uh, this happening. What was, uh, do you have any thoughts on... I have a lot of thoughts yeah. on this. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it might have actually been 94. I'm not 100% 94, sure. 94, yeah. Sorry, 93 is so when the show debuted. This, 94 yeah, is sh- when the ban, the ban happened. Yeah, and I actually remember watching the show. This is one of those strange memories. Mm-hmm. I, was, I remember watching YTV, and it was like, so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers aired weekdays as part of The Zone, mm-hmm. and Phil, PJ Phil, was really upset and not apologetic on air when he announced that like the show would not be... Like, the first season never finished airing on YTV. And I remember watching, like, The Zone and Phil being like, we can't watch, we can't show Power Rangers anymore, I'm really sorry. And I think they might have done, like, a phone poll or something to see if the show would come back. It never they, did. They did, yeah. They did do a poll and, regarding that. And it was, it was interesting because, like, again, what you said, like, the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council, like, had no teeth. And YTV stopped airing it even though this, like, council had, like, no power to do anything like to them i also interesting was that i think in ontario a station called global was airing power rangers and they also stopped airing power rangers at yeah, the gl- same time a, a lot of global affiliates were 
were running uh, Power yeah. Rangers as well. Um, I believe they were. I, I have not been able to find a confirmation of this, but I've heard some people claim that they tried running a censored version for some some time. I don't know oh. how they would have accomplished that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. I I'm not sure either. I've actually never heard that. I did find. I did look up. You know, the old band at some point. And there's an article in the Washington from the Washington Post from like 1994 about this Canadian ban on Power Rangers. And apparently the entire thing is because of only two complaints Mm -hmm. from Ontario parents that were that they got like that was it. It was they had two complaints um, that like some from parents saying like their kids may have been like kicking the air or kicking each other or something. Which kids would have done, which kids would have done anyway. Because yes. even if, you know, kids kick and punch each other, that's, that's just kind of the reality. They're, they're, they might say they're playing Power Rangers or say they saw it on TV, but the reality is, you know, those kids probably would have kicked and punched each other anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah, there was, there was, I haven't, I couldn't find it, but there was years ago I watched, I found it on YouTube. There was this like old, it was an American news broadcast, I don't know, from one of the major news networks. And it was from like 1994 when they were discussing, is Power Rangers too violent? Uh, and this news reporter went to like a schoolyard and they showed an episode of Power Rangers and then they showed the kids and the kids were all like kicking the air, like in the playground, but none of them were actually kicking each other. <laughs> They were just really excited, and the news reporter was like, "I'm not sure this is actually really dangerous." And uh, like, I'm not really good on the American side of this, but like, there was a huge discussions about Power Rangers being too violent in the United States in around like '96 ish. There was this plan, I think, the Clinton administration was is trying to see if they should make like guidelines, like government guidelines yeah. for American TV, especially for sorry for kids TV. And they ended up being this like industry lobbying group that ended up pushing for the industry to sort of regulate itself. And this is really, really important in like Power Rangers political history, for the lack of a better term, because it's when Haim Saban starts entering politics, which is another uh, yeah. topic that you oh, probably boy. want to touch. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, wow. I have, I, I have a lot to say about that topic too, but. It's... Yes! let's skip that but that's that's actually sort of important there and something else i always found really interesting is one of the other countries that's banned power rangers at the same time was new zealand i know which is ironic because the franchise would later become based in new zealand yeah so it's still banned in new zealand but the show has filmed there since like 1992 and it's also ironic because i think you mean 2002 that's right. Yeah, what did I say? Yeah. 92? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. And it's also ironic because the New Zealand government gives, like, millions of dollars in grants to yeah. Power Rangers to promote New Zealand. So, like, the most – not the, like, the, the most most recent series, like, the one that aired last year and the year before, Dino Charge, is, like, there are episodes that are, like, basically, like, come to New Zealand. There's a character from New Zealand. There's, like, an episode dedicated to New Zealand, like, dessert, like a specific dessert from New Zealand. There's like they the Rangers go to New Zealand like it's all about New Zealand and it's hilarious because it's like this tourism, you know, ad for New Zealand for a show that's banned in like on a show that's banned in New Zealand. And I just always thought that was really funny. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, so it's banned completely in New Zealand. Like they, nobody so. can broadcast it. I think so. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. The actors in this show, like the New Zealand actors, can't like the the Kiwi actors can't actually watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 
I would imagine it's probably streaming or on Netflix or something uh, oh, for sure. down there. But yeah, I guess if if you, if you don't have uh, those many years of uh, of television exposure, it does make it a little more difficult uh, for it to to take hold with with a lot of the audience. Yeah. Uh, so. So. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just say like going back to the the what you were saying, you know, from around 1993 to 2002, uh, you know, YTV there was this blip of YTV, a blip of global for the but the, for the most part we watched it on we watched Power Rangers on Fox mm-hmm. or you know your local Fox affiliate. There was an exception to that in my area. It might be in some other areas as well. So like I'm in the Toronto-ish area, and from like. I don't know the exact years from, but it was at least a year, maybe two, starting in around like 1996. There was a station out of Barrie, Ontario called the New VR, and they would basically plant their, their New VR logo over the Fox Kids logo, and they would plant their ads over the Fox Kids ads. Yeah. So basically they were, they were sim subbing Fox Kids. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they, they, they were there for again about like two years, um, I think. Yeah. It, I can't remember. Around that time, it was rare for um, for Fox Kids programming to be sim subbed. That definitely didn't happen across uh, across the country. Uh, yeah. Very very few local Canadian broadcasters were were uh, were taking on children's content or even sim subbing children's content. Um, but for the yeah, for the most part, Fox Kids uh, was the 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 only place to see. Uh, this show, and it, I guess it just shows how many kids were watching American <laughs> broadcasts in addition to, uh, to Canadian broadcasts as well. Yeah, for sure. And then Fox was the only place to watch it until 2001. So in 2001, there was something major happened, and that was, um, that Disney bought Fox Family Worldwide. So Fox Family Worldwide at this point included Saban Entertainment. Which which included Power Rangers. So Disney ended up buying, in a lot of ways, ended up owning Power Rangers. Um, yeah. There's like a complicated history here, uh, of like Saban joining with News Corp in like 1996 and stuff. It doesn't. I don't know how much of that is really relevant, but the the thing that always hit me is like how much Disney paid for this. Like Disney paid like over five billion dollars. Um for Fox Family Worldwide and Fox Family Worldwide became ABC Family Worldwide I think and at the time Power Rangers Time Force had was airing and like Wild Force which is the series that followed it was in pre-production and I think Disney had to finish whatever was in pre-production because of a contract with Fox Kids so they made Wild Force so Wild Force is interesting because it's it was made by the same like production team and like the same crew as mm-hmm. all the other like previous Power Ranger series and it was still filmed in LA but it was actually made by Disney um and then in 2002 Wild Force the first 26 episodes aired on Fox mm-hmm. and then once that sort of contract expired and I think like Fox Kids basically shut down at this point you might correct me if I'm wrong it's I think so, it, I think that was about the time it became Fox Box. Uh, I don't know if that was. Yeah. I'm not sure if Four Kids had taken over the block yet at that point, uh, but it was around. It was around there, around and I there, think yeah. Fox Kids like because again Fox Fox Family became ABC Family, so fa- so the last half of Wild Force aired on ABC Kids. 
which was ABC's new Saturday morning block. I found this really frustrating. I remember exactly when this happened because my local ABC stations didn't air it. So I went from I could watch every episode of Power Rangers and I was really happy to I suddenly couldn't find it or watch it at all. Um, yeah. So I guess just just to take a step back and get an idea of the timeline sure. here. So yeah. when Power Rangers was, you know, quote unquote banned from the airwaves yeah. in 1994, yeah. I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that that ban technically only applied to the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, I don't think it really applied to any of the later incarnations because they would they didn't show... Know the, yeah, they didn't know those incarnations would exist yeah, at the time. Exactly. They were and making that, yeah. Dis- despite that, Everything from, like, right up until 2002 with Wild Force, none of that aired on any, yeah, uh, really no cable Canadian broadcasters aired that stuff. Uh, With the one exception you pointed out with the new VR and probably a few other local affiliates across across the country may may have aired some of them briefly. Um, Yeah. But those those are definitely exceptions. For the most part, Power Rangers is something that, uh, that only showed up, um, on American affiliates. That is that is where that, you know, that cultural beacon came from for people in Canada. And that was disrupted significantly during the Disney buyout because, of course, uh, ABC... So when ABC started airing it, they were airing... They, the, the affiliates that did show it were ABC affiliates. It wasn't... It hadn't, it hadn't moved to cable in the U.S. yet at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that did happen very shortly after that, I understand. I'm not 100% sure. So this is where my understanding of a lot of, like, the the history of, or, like, where yeah. Power Rangers airing gets really fuzzy. Because I couldn't personally watch it. <laughs> I had someone in the U.S., like, tape it on VHS and mail it to me. Oh, really? So, wow. We, yeah. we, we were still at the point where that was, like... <laughs> That, yeah, w- so, that was a necessary process for a lot of people, so too. That was, that's how I watched it. So um, I'm probably, like, at this point, how to watch it in Canada yeah. is not a question I actually know how to answer because and, I was just like, I can't do it. I'm going to figure out a way around it. And, and yeah, and like, if I'm sure if anybody were, would have been able to figure out where to watch the show in Canada, it probably would have been you. <laughs> but who knows? Like, again, in my ABC affiliates like the abc channels that were available like and it's probably a better way to put it like the disney owned channels that were available to me did not show it yeah they uh it did show up on family channel uh when they were because they had an agreement with um with disney to show their content but i think now i don't i don't know if this was just because of uh of questionable standard or questionable scheduling practices at family or because Power Rangers still carried a stigma that carry that had been in place for like a decade uh, up to that point, which I guess now would have been around 2003 or 2004. Um, I believe I, I think everything after Wild Force uh, did. That's the point when it started showing up on Family Channel, I believe. But they would always air it at like 6:30 in the morning. <laughs> uh, it would be buried and yeah. uh, effectively like off of anyone's radar. So it wasn't really like you could you could say that at that point. Power Rangers as a cultural uh as a cultural artifact was simply not getting it had no more tra- had no traction in Canada it had no way of getting proper exposure or anything and uh it was just off the the it was just off the cultural radar completely 
I think so. The exception was always the toys. The toys. Oh yes, yes. For the most part, and it's interesting too. Like after white, like 1994, you know, YTV's like, okay, we're not gonna show Power Rangers anymore. They still showed the, the toy commercials. <laughs> I know this because yeah, like yeah. I would videotape. Like I have old VHS tapes of other shows, and they have Power Ranger toy ads in them, right? So. Yeah, like, the toys were always available. So, like, my friends and I actually loved Ninja Storm, which was the first film, the first, uh, sorry, series that was completely made, Disney made, they moved the productions to New Zealand, yada, yada. Uh, we loved that, and we ended up marathoning that here. We did not acquire it by watching it on television, um, but we ended up buying each other the toys for it, because the toys were still available. That, that's always one of the yeah that's that's something that seems to happen a lot. You have this, these situations where uh, shows that depend on revenue from uh, from merchandise uh, don't aren't always like what, what you see in stores does not reflect what you actually see in the media in Canada in television or even available on uh, online now a lot of the time. Yeah. And I remember I, this exact same frustration. I had this exact same frustration with G Gundam. Uh, because G Gundam is probably one of the the strangest circumstances of an anime not airing in Canada when it was airing in the states, because you saw the toys showing up in stores here. In fact, stores were so flooded with G Gundam toys that that uh, arguably is one of the big things that uh, that sunk the initial Gundam push in uh, in North America. And then a few years later, we got Gundam Seed, which actually was a big success in Canada, but it was not a success in the U.S., so the toys never made it up here. Um, and it just shows how, you know, how successful something or how well um, established something is on television does not reflect the often much more important merchandising push that happens. And if, like, if these things would just work in tandem, yeah, exactly. if, they'd actually, if they'd actually, like, pay closer attention, if, if one hand knew what the other was doing and they actually paid attention <laughs> to the differences in the Canadian audience, what the Canadian audience is seeing, what the Canadian audience demands, then you would get a better a, a better sense of what is successful in Canada, what is popular in Canada, what uh, what has cultural traction in Canada. But, I mean, to this day, it seems that companies don't seem to really care about that. They, they have a tendency to lump Canada and the U.S. together as a market yeah. um, without actually paying attention to these things. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And we know historically that, that Canadian American markets, while often are similar, there's we have so many examples of so many differences. Yeah. I keep thinking my example I always think of that for that is always Sailor Moon. Yep. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the the yeah. rare one of the rare instances where the the merchandise actually sold better here and that got and that led to more of the show getting dubbed into English at least for for a short period. Yeah. Never forget. Yep. Yep be proud so and i think so like in terms of like the history of power rangers broadcasting in canada i'm actually like sort of at a blank until around 2009 2010 Mm -hmm. and 2009 um so jungle fury was a series that premiered 2008 2009 well jungle fury was supposed to be the last year of power rangers disney didn't want to do it anymore and then they there was like either a contract with bandai or I've heard mixed reviews or there was like a population outside of the U.S. that was really still, you know, doing well with Power Rangers, especially in the, like in Europe. So they ended up needing to make Disney had to make another series and that ended up being RPM. And they were like, this is it. This is the last time we're making Power Rangers. And they like did their best to not promote the series, speaking about like not promoting it. 
and airing it at terrible times. I think it moved from Disney channels, like, cause it was on like JetX and I think JetX became Disney XD somewhere around here. They dropped Power Rangers and ABC Kids starting airing it, but it was like airing at like death time zones. Yeah. Like 5.30 in the morning time slots. Like they didn't, they didn't want to deal with Power Rangers anymore. They kind of wanted to bury it. Um, and then that season ended and they were like, okay, we're done. And they actually like the series was canceled. Like it was actually canceled. They yeah. shut down the production in New Zealand. Everything was done. And in 2010, Saban, so Saban sold Saban Entertainment back in like um, 2001, 2002. So now Saban comes back with Saban Brands and he buys Power Rangers back from Disney and he sort of renews all this collaboration with like the Japanese companies. And what I found interesting also about this is like when. Saban, like, when they sold that chunk to Disney, um, and again, it was, like, this Fox chunk. It was really, really large, included all sorts of properties, including Digimon, for example. It went for, like, $5 billion. When Saban bought Power Rangers back, Disney wanted nothing to do with it anymore, so I think he got it back for, like, $43 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Power Rangers disappeared uh, it was, there was a couple months sort of overlap, but like Power Rangers disappeared from the Disney parks. Power Rangers disappeared from like any ABC Disney stuff. Um, and Saban, there's a rumor that Saban told Disney, oh yeah, I'm going to start my own channel and I'm going to air Power Rangers on it. And apparently he like, of course, took the show and sold it to Nickelodeon. Um, I'm not sure if that was true, <laughs> but he did sell the show to Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon like picked it up and they started producing one, they started airing, like, the 700 episodes of reruns that, that existed at the time, but they started making Power Rangers Samurai. Uh, and this is also the year where, like, the first 32 episodes of Mighty Morphin re-aired on, like, I think this is still Fox. They aired it on, like, ABC Kids with, like, new graphics. I remember people whining about that. It was weird. They added, like, <laughs> like, like Batman-esque, like, effects to it. Um and yeah yeah that's they, that's that that's an example of how not to update something i think you know what people were okay with it because it meant they re-released a lot of the old money yeah, toys yeah. so oh, people yeah, were like yeah. oh my gosh i've always wanted this megazord now i have it so that's back to the cool. toys again yeah and then the other thing at the same time that's happening is you might know more about this than i do but like chorus and like ytv they wanted to make a new channel and they made this agreement with like nickelodeon like in the states and they created nickelodeon canada yep and then they, because of this agreement with Nickelodeon in the U.S., they were had they got to air Power Ranger Samurai. But Power Ranger Samurai, to my understanding, didn't air on Nickelodeon Canada. It aired on YTV. It did. Yep, Nickelodeon Canada. I don't know this for sure, but it is widely mm. it is widely understood that the existence of Nickelodeon Canada is just a kickback that allows YTV to get other benefits with Nickelodeon properties. They just the station is just kind of there. Uh, because okay. Nickelodeon wants it to exist, but by keeping that station alive, despite the fact that nobody watches it and they don't really do anything with their schedule on that station, it gives them a- it it gives them a wider access to to Nickelodeon properties. So yeah, at that point, that's when um that's so, when Power Power Rangers showed up and returned to YTV. It, it uh, returned to YTV, yeah. and they aired. Um, so Nickelodeon does this thing. Uh, and I think it's Nickelodeon. They have like a certain set number of episodes per season. So Power Rangers is like usually somewhere between like 36, 45 ish episodes a season. They cut, ended up cutting these seasons in half for Nickelodeon. So this is why you get Samurai and then Super Samurai, which is just a continuation of yeah. Samurai. 
or Mega Force, Super Mega Force. So Samurai, Super Samurai, and Mega Force all aired on YTV. And then in 2014, Chorus bought Teletoon. Yep, they bought Teletoon, and they basically, they're basically their strategy at the time was to move any uh, quote unquote boys properties over <laughs> to over to Teletoon, and that included pretty much every action animation and uh, and also Power Rangers. So. Power Rangers yeah. was moved to Teletoon, despite the fact that it is not animated, um, but it is quote unquote boy oriented. Uh, so it gets uh, kind of lumped in the same category. Oriented. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I was hearing people say like Power Rangers boy 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 oriented, and I know like when I went to the theater to see the Power Rangers movie, like it was mostly guys at the theater, mm-hmm. but like. In my life, majority of people I've known and interacted with who've loved Power Rangers are all women. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, okay. Um, but, yeah, so starting with Power Rangers Super Mega Force, again, they kind of divide the seasons in half. Uh, Power Rangers has aired on Teletoon, and it's still airing on Teletoon. So Dino Charge, Super Dino Charge aired on Teletoon. Yeah, that, and is, current- that, that is the current home of Power Rangers in Canada now. It's actually – this is probably yeah. – well – it's also on Netflix, which Netflix is arguably the best exposure a lot of those um, older seasons have have gotten here. Yeah. But uh, I don't. But uh, it's it's back on TV more prominent than ever. I think it, they run it Friday nights and Saturday yeah, afternoons. Afternoons, yeah, and Saturday yeah. they're they are actually airing the new season, which just came out. Uh, I think they're only a couple episodes behind the American airings. Uh, there, it's Ninja Steel. So yeah, we yeah. Power Rangers is on TV in Canada again. Yeah, it has for a while, but. Yeah, if you're if you're if you follow Power Rangers now, it's uh I think this is the be- the the best it's been. The best it's been for Power Rangers on on in Canadian media. You get it streaming and you get it on TV. Uh pretty much not far behind the US broadcast. So And if you want some entertainment, uh the YTV website has like has been doing a lot of push for like the Power Ranger movie mm-hmm. and like the Zone has been doing like this marketing push for yeah. the Power Ranger movie, the- which again, PG-13 more violent, etc., than the predecessor that was banned yeah. in 1994, and you can watch like Carlos on the Zone being like, "Go see the Power Rangers movie," and like interviews with the actors and things like that. It's very interesting to me. They, I don't know, YTV has a long history of promoting like PG-13 or harder-edged PG movies in Canada. Oh, I'm not but... saying anything about that. I'm just saying that because of the history here. Yeah, yeah. There's something it's... about me as this like older person. Watching delightful. this, that is just finding this amusing. There's a delightful irony behind it for sure. Yeah, it's just like okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that YTV on their website has been doing a engaging with a lot of '90s nostalgia stuff um, as well. A, they have a quiz. Yeah. And I don't know how to find it on the website. I actually found it through Google, and the Wayback Machine tracks it back to July 2016 because I was trying to figure out when this thing appeared. So it might be marketing for the movie again. But it's like, what Power Ranger are you quiz? But it's based on Mighty Morphin. It's based on the original Mighty Morphin. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you yeah. banned well, that that's... show, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it, it, I mean, it's the one that 90s kids most fondly remember because it's I, I think for most 90s kids it's the only one that they watched um yeah. if, if i like if i recall correctly pretty much the viewership i i know that uh saban was always determined to not change the costumes uh because i guess they had some market data that showed that uh kids did not respond well to the, the costumes being changed which presented problems because uh they change every year in japan 
Yeah, this, so, they ran out of Sentai footage. Yeah, and had to go back and film more Sentai footage, and then eventually they uh, they they caved and uh, well, they, there was the Alien Rangers thing where they they test they did a test drive of how people yeah. would respond to the new costumes, and then they finally went forward and changed the costumes in Zeo, and that's kind of when like the like the major Power Rangers went down very far in terms of like major mainstream popularity. It was still huge, of course, but you know, it took a huge hit. It did take a huge hit after that. I guess there was something to that marketing data they had. Yeah, for sure. Um, they used three different Sentai footage, like footage from three different Sentai series in yeah. Mighty Morphin. And uh, you know, as I touched on before, uh, you know, I, I love Power Rangers as a kid, and I've always just kind of found it difficult to be nostalgic for it, um, because just because I I've always been uncomfortable with this idea that. Super Sentai was not um, really recognized until it had been Americanized. Mm. Um, that's always really bothered. It's it bothered me more than it probably should. Um, and I, I personally find it more interesting to go back and watch those old Super Sentai shows because I get to, you know, experience the stuff in its original context and gain kind of a, a deeper appreciation for it in that sense. Um, yeah. And since I am definitely in the minority of people who feel that way because people are more than happy to completely indulge in Power Rangers nostalgia, especially for the Zoo Rangers slash Mighty Morphin era. Um, and then with this movie, we're seeing it taken to uh, like another step, uh, which is yeah. a, another unique problem where entertainment in general is not um, legitimized until it's been made into an American film. Um, and I think that's a mentality that's really gripping media in general right now. Um, I think it's also, I think, I'm sorry, I'm I think it's also like, it's, it's that second separation that makes the new movie really sort of more complex. Yeah. That, yeah. But that second step removed. But there also is, the, and I'm not trying to take away from your point in any yeah. way, shape, or form, but there is a lot of people who have, like, are, who are interested in the Sentai. Like, um, what's the name of the company? Why am I forgetting it? Uh, Shout Factory? Shout Factory. They released, yeah. they've released Zoo Ranger, um, like subtitled in English. Yeah, uh, they've released. Officially. Zoo Ranger, Die Ranger, and, and, Ranger. and uh, the Ninninger, I think is the third one. And those are actually. Kaku Ranger? Uh, Car Ranger is coming too. The first two, uh, Zoo mm-hmm. Ranger and Die Ranger, are actually streaming for free on Tubi TV. Uh, which oh, cool! Is, which is where uh, the same place where Sailor Moon is streaming in Canada, so you can actually f- watch them for free there. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm still, I still really wish they'd release Jetman though. That's supposed to be a a really fun one, and apparently it was supposed to be the the show that Power Rangers was originally going to adapt, but it mm. uh, it just kept getting delayed and they shifted it over. They to took Muddy too Mountain. long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is probably it probably worked better because kids love dinosaurs. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, that's uh. That's just that's kind of my view on Power Rangers, and I think it's interesting that it is still interesting that uh, like the Americanized Power Rangers has had so much uh, uh, cultural pollination across uh, around the world. I've even read that in Korea, where they usually just get dubbed versions of the the Japanese Sentai shows. Um, yeah. In some cases, because there's still so much stigma around samurai and samurai imagery in Korea, that whenever they get to like a samurai themed Power Rangers, they would actually go and instead take. Uh, an American or a samurai themed Sentai show, it would go and get grab an American Power Rangers show of uh, of something that was already they already dubbed uh, the Japanese version of, and just kind of 
because it's different enough, just dub that into Korean and run that in its place. I've uh, never heard that. Yeah. I know that. I know that. Okay, so I know Dino Charge. Uh, Ku. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget what the Japanese right now is. But the the Power Ranger series we had like for the last two years, they're actually making their own Korean version of it right now. Oh really? It's like Dino for yeah, they're making their own like quote unquote Power Ranger version of it, and I think it has like a whole bunch of like K-pop idols in it. <laughs> um, it's kind of, of interesting. It does. And then the other thing that you made me think of is like there's a bunch of seasons of Power Rangers that then got dubbed into Japanese and resold into resold at, like in Japan. That that's a thing that happened. They take Power Rangers and then they redub it in Japanese. And it's interesting when they redub it because they hire back the actors from the usually from the original Sentai, so, like, the person who played, like, the Red Ranger in Japan plays, like, the voice of the Red Ranger in, like, the Power Ranger version, and then they sell it back. Like, Power Rangers and... I think you're, I, I think you're just screwing with us on that one. No, I'm not! It's real! No, it's I think real. they... I, I think they are. I think <laughs> okay. they're, they're just messing with everyone. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, it speaks to this, like, complex relationship. I've yeah. always wanted to know more about this. Like, again, with, like, them making footage... For my demo from Power Rangers season two, there's like there's issue like the stunt crews to some extent overlap. There was talk about some of the recent series um, that have been filming in New Zealand, filming parts of the Sentai. I don't know what happened with this, so bear with me. But there's a like filming parts of the Sentai and filming parts of Power Rangers simultaneously. So like, there's a there's a complex relationship between the two. I don't know how complex that actually is or whatever, but it's a little it's a little messy. Uh, and I've always sort of been interested in in the relationship between them. And also, I've always wondered what, you know, the Japanese production companies get for Power Rangers. Like, how much are they actually compensated for that? Um, I've always been curious about that as well. Um, as to your point about, like, you know, Sentai didn't sort of... Sentai definitely never has had the reach that Power Rangers has had. I mean, Power, Ranger airs, Power Rangers airs in so many markets. I remember I was in Turkey a couple years ago, and they had, like... Power Ranger magazines, like, at the corner store, and I was like, wait a second, what's, because <laughs> it's, it's marketed in so many different languages, right? Yeah. It's... So, uh, yeah, it, I think you have, like, a legit point there, for sure. And I mean, especially with the first, it, it's, it's, doesn't change that much in later seasons, but especially with the first seasons where they're, you know, they're literally dubbing over Rita. They're really, literally dubbing over. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese actors and stuff like that. There is, there is, I think that should be problematized probably more than it is. Um, it, it comes out of that era of, you know, localizations being a thing. Uh, and then of course we have to talk about why were localizations considered a thing in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, there have been efforts to, with, with Ultraman and other Sentai shows to actually just dub the Japanese actors for the entire thing rather than trying to film uh, Western actors yeah. uh, but, doing it. So, but but obviously the Power Rangers approach has been more successful. I mean, and you, they're you, not you, trying to sail the same show, right? Yeah. They're making it was like Saban being like, "This is a cost cutting measure. Let's just use half the footage yeah. from this Japanese series. We'll dub it over. It'll be fine, and then we'll make this suddenly about like you know nineties you know, kid teenagers." Yeah. And I mean. It's, this is the same, like, Saban, I'm pretty sure, was also behind, like, Samurai Pizza Cats and other shows that were Japanese shows that they just sort of took and... <laughs> Repurposed, yeah. <laughs> uh, Samurai Pizza Cats and its original are not quite the same thing, 
as we know. So well, Samurai Pizza Cats is the better the, 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 the better product in my opinion. But oh no, your mileage I may like, vary, I guess. Yeah, I see. I still I still like I'm, I'm I I still love Power Rangers. I've I, you know I've been watching it now for more than twenty years. So well, uh, Pan, I remember the last time I had you on, I I asked you you hadn't seen um. Specifically, Power Rangers Megaforce Robo Night Before Christmas. I still haven't seen it. I knew you were going to ask me this. So <laughs> I've made progress. I, cause last time I think I was like, I've seen three episodes of Megaforce. I think I'm up to ten. I'm sort of yeah. watching it on Netflix. I'm not getting very far. And I think I'm just not in the – like I just can't get into it and I'm not in the right frame of mind to watch it. It's It's not – like gripping me in any way shape or oh, form it's so not, far, it's, just... uh, it's not going to trust me but... <laughs> oh no i'm kind of waiting because like sometimes even if the show is bad like you you know i mean like you can love like the characters or something and i do like i like the the ranger team in in uh samurai that's great in uh megaforce i i do like quite a bit so i'm like okay maybe maybe i'll just watch it for them like the, the, the care i find the characters are weirdly endearing in that show Rather, as a production, it is weirdly endearing. It's not good at all. <laughs> but, but I was Power Rangers. Yeah, I, I was mean, inter- Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. So like, I'm I'm hoping like I'll get to the point where I'll just be like, I just want to watch it for these characters. So I'll, I I will eventually watch it. It's like the one season I still haven't seen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, uh, but I, I was introduced to it under very strange circumstances. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, the series that came after it, Dino Charge, I, I love quite a bit, and I like, I like, I have issues with, obviously, I have issues with, like, every Power Ranger season, I mean, like, who am I kidding, but, like, I like Samurai, which came before it, to some extent, and I like Dino Charge, at least, the, especially the first half of Dino Charge, which came after it, so I will go in and fill in that Megaforce uh, space at some point. Maybe not today, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in a huge rush, but it, it's still going to be there. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I haven't seen your Christmas special. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I I think uh, I think we have thoroughly uh, explored uh, Power Rangers in uh, global and Canadian context. Um, so before we go, let's just touch on this conservative leadership convention oh, no. thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, the. If, if you're not familiar with uh, what's going on with that, the uh, Conservative Party of Canada is electing a, a new leader, uh, and they're going to be having multiple conventions across Canada on the, the day of the vote, which is uh, May 27th. That is the same weekend as Anime North, and not only is it the same weekend, they're in the same – the Toronto convention is taking place in the same venue as Anime North. Uh, they have – Oh, they're in the North Building. So yeah. the Toronto Congress Centre has, like, this – south building and the north building um and the north building is separate like there's like a literally a like a driveway there's a road between them thankfully and the north building is much smaller um the last couple of years anime north has used the north building uh we do a lot of our stage shows our masquerade um like i help out with the masquerade like the costume contest and stuff like that and we do a lot of that uh for the most part in the north building so this year the north building was taken away from us to my knowledge, and they're doing the federal conservative leadership convention there. Um, again, this isn't the f- like the first time we've shared space with the conservatives. Uh, I, I think it was 2011. The provincial conservatives had a convention at the same time, and there were a couple things that I remember about that in particular. One, there were protesters that showed up, and they were asked by police to leave, 
Uh, and they were like holding protest signs against the, like they were standing like sort of by the street, like where the convention center mm-hmm. meets the street, holding these giant protest signs. The problem is that if anybody looked over, all they saw was a mass of like 20,000 people in costume. Um, maybe not that many people at a time, but I mean, like, Anime North has, like, 24,000 people or something at this point, right? And it's a lot of it's outdoor. Like, a lot of Anime North is outdoor outside the South Building of the Toronto Congress Center. That's where, if you're wearing a costume, that's where you go to be seen and to, like, walk around. And if you want to look at costumes, that's where you just wander around and just, like, me and my camera, I'm there just taking photos of, of all these beautiful costumes that people have spent so much time and energy on it, it, it i like i love being outside especially when the weather is pretty decent so here's these these protesters who are asked to leave and like all anybody from the road can see is like this mass of cosplayers they ended up trying to split the parking lot and i don't know how well that worked um because anime north is so large that we use like we end up using the north building's parking as well so we'll see how that goes this year. Um, and the one thing that really annoyed me personally the last time they were there was that they would drive these go- these people in like suits or business attire, which are like you know the conservative yeah. higher ups. They would drive in golf carts through like the main like cosplay throwaways of Anime North. They just drive through it, and like sometimes they'd block traffic or they'd stop their little golf carts to take pictures of people. And for the most part, I think a lot of like. A lot of people knew what was going on, and some people just didn't. And they were like, okay, some guy's asking me for a picture. So they just would get into those pictures. So the, for me, there was always a question about consent in there as well. Like, did people know what they're doing? But they were they were a bit of a, in my opinion, they were a bit of a, of a hindrance. Uh, this year, with the political climate being a little bit different and a little bit more sensitive, and um, I really kind of want to protest yeah, <laughs> I want to be a protester this year rather than a cosplayer. Well, here's <laughs> um, here's one thing I'm concerned about. I know I know that um, you know, there's definitely a strain of uh of far right uh of of, of far right um activity in in anime fandom. Are are you mm-hmm. like? Do you have any concern that this is going to embolden certain attitudes within? people at the, the actual attendees at the convention like people bringing out alt-right bullshit or something it might uh, the because i mean I, I would imagine that kelly leach is going to be at the toronto one. Oh god oh god yeah uh, staff <laughs> and security hopefully will nip that in the bud yeah. i have this feeling like i don't know i'm not i'm not okay I'm, I'm like the low lowest totem pole down of like uh i shouldn't even use that phrase but like i am um, i yeah. help like i'm a stagehand like level of staff like i'm not privy to a lot of the information out there and everything i say you know is in my own opinion um they might be there might do something to sort of keep try to keep the two um parties separate so for instance where that division they might try and keep people like out of the have somebody from security trying to keep people out of the north area mm-hmm. even though like literally the, the area between the north and south buildings is where like there's a bus there's a school bus that goes from the different locations of Anime North because it's so large. That's one of the like the school bus stops. So I don't know. They might rejig some stuff to keep people separate. Um, that seems to be the policy of a lot of conventions when they're next to other conventions. So like uh, in Toronto, I don't know. It was like 10 years ago. I don't remember. One of the smaller anime cons was right next to a Scientology convention, and they hired people. like they had security guards like keeping doors closed and keeping like the two parties very very separate so i'm wondering if they're going to do something like that um 
We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Anime North has a lot of, like, has a, a huge team of volunteers that help with security. Uh, and people who also who are not volunteers, but they have a huge team that help with security. Um, so hopefully they'll, they'll have something in mind to sort of try and keep, <laughs> trying to keep the peace there. Um, Anime North is a really, tends to be a very diverse place. So hopefully no one tries to do anything, um, hateful. My, I have this like small worry that, you know, I kind of hope that there might be a protest against this convention, but I'm also wary because so many times protests come with, um, a police presence and I'm worried about that police presence mm-hmm. more than I'm worried about the protesters. I don't really worry about the protesters. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I yeah. mean, I, I'm will, intri- I'm- a way to really know for sure. Um, I'm hoping they don't drive golf carts through our convention and like, <laughs> like interrupt things and like, you know, just, I just, I just, I want them to stay on their side of whatever. Um, and maybe I'll like, I gotta figure out a way to inter- like incorporate a protest sign into my costume or something. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea. I think, I, I think this could inspire some very, uh, creative cosplays from people. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how it goes. One of my friends bought, two of my friends actually, uh, I don't know if they bought or they found a way to get like membership to the conservative party. Not because they want membership for the conservative party, just because they want to vote on that day. <laughs> they want to vote against certain, you know, yeah, the but, more Trump-like scary candidates. Yeah. So, if, uh, if anybody <laughs> is voting, uh, in the, con- I, I, like, I know, I know some people who talked about doing that. I, I, I can't bring myself to to, to, yeah, to do that myself because i i, I my, my political i make my i think i've made my political <laughs> views quite clear uh, on this show in the past um but it is it is a ranked ballot so uh it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that pans out because like that means that none of the polling is going to be really reliable there are so many factors in the way that they're they're picking their their leader um so yeah that's going to be uh it's going to be something yeah. um and like best case scenario, we have very little interaction with them, yeah. and they don't elect someone who's the next Trump, and we survive. Um, and that's sort of what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we'll uh, um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens on on that. I guess I'm not gonna. I, I think we should be careful not to forecast uh, what we think is gonna happen with that with that. No, I'm not. I I have no idea. I have no idea what's. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, maybe, maybe we'll have you back on after Anime North. and <laughs> you, 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 see what happens. You can give us a status report. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Pan, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, always a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. This was yeah. fun. Thanks a lot. Just a quick note to end off on. After we finished the episode, Pan and I had a very lively discussion about Haim Saban's shady political activities over the years. And I have to say, I really regret that we did not touch on that in the actual episode and uh, instead chose to go on a big rant about Krispy Kremes. Uh, Not that that was not important, um, but, you know, this is, you know, it's interesting stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not record the conversation that we had, so I can't even retrofit it in. uh, So that is going to have to wait another day. But Power Rangers is a topic that has a tendency to keep popping up on this show over and over again for some reason. So maybe we'll explore it a little more in the future. Thanks for tuning in to Zonin Canada. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron and can be found on his album Packet Flood, which you can find at ultraclystron.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Zonin Canada 
or email zonncanada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your podcast app of choice, and leave a rating or review if you have a chance. If you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again! This station believes in being accountable to you, the viewer, in our drama, information, and entertainment programming. We are a member of the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council, and as such, are committed to the highest standards of broadcasting. If you have a comment to make about our programming, write to us. We'll respond to your letter and send you information on the Council and our codes. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Association of Broadcasters and this station.